0: Following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. We're going to be in John chapter 15 today, if you want to turn there. So honored and humbled to be with you. I was sharing with somebody before the service, uh, this this sermon is, I pray for you, but it it is very much for me, uh, because there are much more uh, mature saints, qualified people here that could preach this to me, but uh, by the Lord's providence, he has us here together and me here, so, um, yeah, (laughs) so I'm thankful for his grace, and I'm thankful for... um, and trust me with this this morning. Uh, so John chapter 15, we're going to be in verses 1 through 17. This message is going to be called Abide in Him. Uh, and So we're in, as Pastor Vince mentioned, we're in the season, uh, end season series, Always Ready to Preach the Word. And so now this series comes from Paul's second letter to Timothy, as was mentioned. Uh, before he tells Timothy to always be ready to preach the word, Uh, He lets them know that in the last days, difficult times will come. Many will turn away from God and be lovers of self. He says that all who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted by these evil men and imposters who go from bad to worse, deceived and being deceived. But then he encourages Timothy. He says, but you, Timothy, he's saying, yes, there is darkness. Yes, there are evil men doing things. Yes, you will be persecuted and hurt because of your faith and your life in Jesus, but you continue in the things you learned and became convinced of, knowing from whom you learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be equipped, having been thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that word that he uses, but you, continue in the things, that's the Greek word we're going to be really diving into today, meno, which is abide, remain, continue. And then he goes on to say, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, to preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and teaching. So now to be ready in season, out of season, right? That means ready to be, as Pastor Vince said, at all times to preach the word. But what does Paul tell Timothy to do first? He says, continue, press on, persevere, stay, abide. And for those of us this morning, those who have trusted in Christ, we put our faith in his finished work, he has called us out from darkness into his light. I just want to encourage you. We need to press on. We need to press on. Even if you've been doing this for a while or you're new to Christ or so many things are, are in your way, it seems like there's so many inward battles and struggles and temptations. Press on. Press on. Continue. Because this is the only way we can live the life that God has for us. The only way we can have hope in this world. The only way way that we will not be like the ones that Paul mentioned, being lovers of self, being deceived. Because I am prone to be a lover of self. I am prone to put my priorities above Christ. And so that's what Paul mentions first. He said, Timothy, you need to continue in these things that you've not only learned, but you've become convinced of. Have you become convinced of Christ? Or is he a theological treaties for you still, or have you pressed into knowing him? That's what we're going to really dive into today, abiding in Christ. And I want to submit to you that Christ is not only all we need, but he is all we have. He is all we have. There is no other way of salvation. There is no other way to be right with God. There is no other way to find your true purpose. It is only in Christ Jesus himself. And so this last year and the last several years, the Lord has been teaching me to abide in what that means, uh, to stay in God's grace and love, to live and, and move by it, and to have all my hope and trust uh, in that. And I've learned a lot of lessons uh, that, of what that means, that he is the vine and I am the branch, and connection to him was my ultimate purpose. Uh, now, it's, it, before we dive into the passage, it is important to note that uh, that I've come to understand, and maybe you have too, that nearly every time I have learned great lessons in abiding and staying close to Christ, it has always been through some sort of trial or affliction. Always. And this is something that I didn't really recognize early on uh, in my Christian walk was I just, I don't know where I got this from, but I, I thought it would just be smooth sailing, right? Uh, and when the waves would come, I, what's, what's that? Why are there waves? You know, I, don't, I don't understand. Let's, let's, turn, let's turn back. You know? We must not be going the right way. Uh, just because there's waves coming at you and there's doubts and there's storms does not mean you're going the wrong way. Okay? But the only way to know you're not going the wrong way is that you're, you're abiding in Christ. You're close to him. You know him. He's not just a Sunday school lesson. You actually know the living God. so it's always been through some sort of trial or affliction. And Scripture does bear this testimony as well. In 1 Peter 1, 6 through 6-9, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. You might say, okay, why is, why is that necessary? Why can't we just skip the trials? Why, why do I have to go through this? Well, Peter answers us, So that the proof of your faith, which is more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So this is serious business, right? Our affliction, our testing, is to result that our faith is genuine and real so that when Christ appears and we see him, that we rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, not only here, but when we see him there, the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. So that God works grace and power in us through weakness and suffering. And temptation through loss, pain, inward struggles, God is using and purposing all these things for our eternal joy. And that is good news because sometimes, a lot of times, most of the time, this world is very, very difficult. Not only what's pressing in on us, but what we're seeing, even what we're not personally connected to, there are so many, so many terrible things that that are happening um, that are contrary to the gospel, that are contrary to God, that are contrary to the scriptures, And, and we have to walk through that. But God is working even in the midst. We, we sung his purposes will not fail, cannot fail, will never fail. Not just in the grand story of what how, with the people read in the scriptures, but in our own life. Because he's called each and individually, all of us, as his bride to worship him and to serve him. So this is one of the most difficult truths for our hearts and our wills to surrender to, if we're being honest. And... And it may be very well one of the most difficulties in our whole, whole Christian life. Uh, as one preacher said, man has trouble with the will of God because it's not man's will. It's not our way of doing things. We, we tend to think we have a much better way of doing things. Uh, and a lot of times, I know I do, I act like that. Uh, whether it be in my morning routine or as I go to bed or as I go throughout my day, I know what I need. I really need that cup of coffee. That's really what I need in the morning. To, that's the first thing I need before I can do anything else. At night, I need this. I need to watch this show. I, I need to have it. Well, we need, to, we need to look at that because whatever we say we need, we're going to be shaped by. And whatever we're shaped by, we're going to become like. And whatever we become like, that's what our eternal home is going to look like. Okay, so we need to be careful what we're letting in. Um, so we want comfort, security. I think a lot of our, our prone is that we want everything to be right all the time. And if it's not that way, we are prone to shelter ourselves uh, from it and do only what preserves us. And so that's why we need gospel courage, gospel courage that comes from being rooted in Christ. Gospel courage that comes from rooted in Christ and in the power of his spirit to have joy in this. I want to be able to say with Spurgeon, I want to be able to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages. I want to be able to know that's how I'm actually getting closer to Christ, is through the waves and the afflictions and just the temptations that we all face and the inward struggles and the fight that we have to persevere in Christ, because it is hard sometimes. But the Lord is faithful. His purposes will not fail. So this is not merely happiness that the world offers through circumstances, but this is eternal joy. And God forever. So because God is alive and he is good and he redeems, nothing has happened in your life up to this point or that's happening right now will stop his purpose and will for your life if you are abiding in Christ. I know for me that's good news. No matter what has happened behind, whatever is happening right now, whatever I might be worried about the future if we are abiding in Christ and we're close to Him and our faith and trust is in Him, there is always hope because there's always a God who is alive who redeems. Always. There's nothing that you can bring to God or that's happened that He cannot redeem in your life. And so this is the remedy for our burdens, afflictions, and inward battles is a greater view of Christ by faith. To see more of Christ, I believe, is our greatest need. Not just knowledge of him, but to commune with him and to abide in him. So it's this knowledge leading to a knowing, if that makes sense. We can read about Christ. We can read his word and and in prayer. And those, those are really meant to guide us to know him as a person, to commune with him. So let's go to our text. It's John chapter 15, 1 through 17. There is so much to be said about this text that I will not have time for. Uh, this is but an introduction. I had about 40 pages of notes. I figured I would try, try to trim those down for you. Uh, so we won't be able to linger on everything, but I, I at least wanted to, to read to read the Scripture. I would rather have more of Scripture than me talk anyway. Uh, but I hope and pray that what we do look at encourages you and the Lord, and will build you up in Christ. Um, so just a little bat, bit of more background before we jump in. Uh, Jesus and his disciples are essentially on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane after their last meal together. And Jesus, Jesus begins to share the final words with them here. And soon Jesus will be betrayed. He'll be led away to be crucified, where he will take God's wrath for our sin to be our substitute to redeem us. So this is a very, very emotional passage. It's a critical passage, and it's an important passage. Um because a lot of big things are happening right now. So, and this is what Christ has chosen to say to his disciples. John chapter 1, John chapter 15, verse 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he cleans it, so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would abide that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Praise God for his word. There is something special uh, about reading the words of Christ. I know the whole book was written by him, uh, but there's a sweetness about re- reading the words of Christ that he actually spoke when he was here in the flesh as a man. Something sweet about that to my spirit, and I hope it is for you, and that this is what Christ chose, to, a part of what Christ chose to share with his apostles. And I want to I point you in the direction of the word abide. So like I said before, the Greek word meno is used 118 times in the New Testament. Now, it's used 11 times in John's gospel letter. 11 times, but in this chapter alone, chapter 15, this word is used 10 times, 10 times. I think God's trying to tell us something. Uh, normally when God says a thing, we, we, we listen. When he says it again, okay, he's saying it again. 10 times? 10 times he's saying abide? I think he wants us to abide. I think that's important, right? Right? Um in 1 John, it's used eight times. That's a little letter. Eight times the Greek word meno is used. And that this meaning is to stay, remain, to live, to dwell. Now, I think it's important to kind of look at this word a little more uh, in the New Testament as, as a whole, how it's used, because this could give us greater insight on the word rather than just moving past it. It might give us a little insight So we can understand better what's happening. So in the New Testament, this word is used in a variety of ways, depending on the context, uh, that will help us as we determine the meaning and implications of this word. So the word "abide" is used by Matthew, Luke, and the epistles of Paul, John, and Peter, or summarizes this: to continue, to lodge, to dwell, to rest, to last and endure, to survive to be existent, to be permanent, to persevere, to be constant, to be steadfast, to be in close union. That's powerful. Because this isn't just believe in Jesus and keep him in your mind as you walk. This is a call to actually live and to rest and to commune with the living God. And we cannot come to God on our own. It's only through Christ that we can come to God so we are we're, we're not coming to him in our own righteousness. We are not coming to him because we live the best life, that we've made all the right choices, that we're, we have no sin. We're coming to him because one took our sin and his body on the cross. And God nailed him there. All of your debt, all of your trespasses, all the things, the law that you could not keep, that you could not do, God took that. Not just a piece of paper with all your debt and nailed it there. He took that and he put it on his son. He put it on his son. And so because of that, we can come to God and we can rest and we can endure and we can be steadfast and be in close union with him. This is the key to the Christian life is not just to know about God, but to actually know him. So he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. Your your Bible might say vine dresser. So I am the true vine. This goes back to Exodus 3.14. Uh, and this was, and we'll read that, but this is the last I am statement of the Gospel of John, that Jesus affirming his equality with God himself. And there are seven beginning with I am in this Gospel, and this is the last. So going back to Exodus, uh, I'll read that to you so we can, we can get a sense of where, why this is important. Exodus 3.14, uh, Then Moses said to God, behold, I'm about to come to the sons of Israel and will say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they will say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So he's asking God, what I'm gonna go, you, you call me to go to Egypt and free your people. What do I tell them? What instructions are you gonna give me? Who, what authority am I gonna come with that they're gonna listen? This is a powerful empire that have our people. What are they gonna, who are they gonna listen to? What does God say? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. While in the garden in John 18, the soldiers that were arresting Jesus actually fall back to the ground when they go to arrest him because Jesus walks up to them and he asked them, who are you looking for? He already knew what was gonna happen. He goes to them. Who are you looking for? They got clubs, torches in their hands about to take him away. What does Jesus say? He says, I am he. But he is not in the original language. That's added by the translator, so we know what he's saying. But Jesus says to them, I am. That's what he says. And they fall back to the ground. I don't know if you've ever read that passage But Jesus in the garden, in agony of prayer, his disciples sleeping over there. That's that's us over there, just so we're aware of who we are in the story. We're sleeping. They come to arrest Jesus. He walks up to them, who are you looking for? And then they said, we're looking for Jesus. He said, I am. I am. And with that, I think they fell to the ground. They, They might not have known truly what was happening but they fell to the ground because of the glory even though his glory was 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 not fully revealed they knew who they were dealing with at that point even the centurion when he looked at Christ he said surely this was the son of God what have we done he says you're looking for him I am I am and so this this, this name is the self-existent never ending always living eternal God There is no one before him. There is no one after him. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is, I am. And this is Jesus, eternal God in human flesh. He says that all abiding in him will get their life from him because he is life. So we read in this passage that He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So in the Old Testament, Israel is God's vine. God planted them as his people, and he took care of them with love, care, and blessing, and he made for himself a people. And all those connected to Israel, to God's vine, received blessing, and they would flourish, as Isaiah 5, 1 through 7 points us to. But they did not produce the good fruit that God so desired. They could not fulfill what God required, though he planted and took care of them. And that's why our Lord says that I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Though Israel fell short and was imperfect, Christ has fulfilled all. And through his perfect life and substitutionary death in our place for our sins, he brings us to God as a mediator. We live through him and his obedience in life. So Christ is the true vine. And my father is the vine grower. Now a vine grower in this, in this passage is, is a farmer, one who plants and tills the earth. A vine dresser is a keeper of the vineyard, basically. Uh, so this example Jesus is using is a metaphor analogy. He's using symbols and examples of a vine, a vine grower, and the branches, to better illustrate and explain deep realities in picture form that can help us understand our place in this. So knowing this, we gain important truths that supply us greater understanding to live in the light of this truth. But metaphors, allegories, examples can only go so far. We still need to use Scripture to interpret Scripture to make sure we're on the right path. But this metaphor, sort of a definition of it, is, is just a figure of speech in which a word or phrase is applied to an object and it's not literal. Okay, so we're not literal branches, but we function as branches in this metaphor. Connected to Christ, the vine. So just think of it as a non-literal word picture to help us understand the literal word of God as a true picture of reality. I didn't realize English class would be be so beneficial. Uh, I would have paid more attention. I probably could get more out of the scriptures, but there's a lot going on in the scriptures that you actually do need some, some uh, rules of grammar to understand, so always learning, you know. Uh, but this passage not only illustrates the Trinity, but it reveals the purpose of each person in the Godhead. Uh, so God revealed in the person of Christ, and that Christ dwells in us so we can bear fruit to commune with him by his Spirit. So the Father is the vine grower, Christ is the vine, and we are the branches, and we bear fruit to glorify God and to bring spiritual life and blessing to others through the Spirit. And so by the Holy Spirit, we know the Father, we know the Son, and we know the Father through his Son, Jesus. Now, these, these grape trees, these, these growing vine trees, so grape vine trees, can, they can produce sweet and delicious fruits for all to enjoy. I'm not, I've never planted one, okay? I'm just reading what I found, okay? Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not a gardener. My wife is a gardener. I'm not. Uh, I'm trying to understand, so I'm just going to read it to you. I don't, I don't have this memorized. I don't know if we have any gardeners in here. Have you planted vines? I don't know. But you can correct me if I'm wrong in any of this. I do apologize. Okay. Um, but with proper planting, care, and pruning, they will produce the desired fruit. Uh, and pruning is uh, essential. It's important. Cutting away dead or overgrown branches to increase the fruitfulness and desired growth. And is it, it is interesting to note when I was studying this that pruning, or the word actually means cleaning, it could be both, uh, it's interesting to note that pruning is often done in the late winter to prepare for the new growth. And that just got me, but the Lord just spoke to me, like when we're in the dark night of the soul and we're living in the chill and the sorrow of suffering, we don't lose heart because this is where God is cleaning us and preparing us and pruning us. It's in those moments that this is, this is, this is the time to do it is in, is in the late winter before the spring comes. We got to get some of these branches off. And that's what the father does. He comes because we're abiding in Christ out of love. He, he comes and because we don't have the wisdom to do it, he, he gets his hand in there. He gets in our business a little bit and he takes stuff and he removes some things or he shows us uh, he shows us maybe where we could correct and, and, and that could look different for everybody. But the Father is all about making you more like Christ. And that's, that's what he does. So this is a good thing that if we're, if we're abiding in Christ and there is sorrow and we feel we're in that winter chill of the night and sorrow, whatever that looks like for you, stay close to Christ because the Father is doing something with you. He's doing something because there's gonna be a great harvest that's gonna come. For his glory and for others, that there is no other way that you can get this fruit. It has to be done this way. But because we read in First Peter, your faith will be tested, but it will be refined like fire, and it will increase your joy and your full assurance as you move forward in your Christian life. So those in Christ are in the hands of a tender and loving Father, and all He does for us is good, that we may share in the glory of His Son. And produce fruit that leads to eternal life. That he's actively for us in Christ. In Christ, he's actively for us. We're his, we're his sons and daughters now. And so he's constantly pruning us, cleaning us. As Paul says in one of his other letters, for momentary light affliction is working out for us, producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So that's the trust and the hope we have to have that even though I can't see everything that's happening right now, that there's an eternal weight of glory. That's far beyond, far beyond all comparison that I will get to hold and see and feel and know fully one day. Because right now we see in a mere dimly, but one day face to face. And so a vine is a plant whose stems or branches require support. If you are in Christ, by faith, you are one with him. The vine gives the life to the branches, but the branches are also one with the tree because of the life they are receiving. So God is not just calling us, he's gonna plant and he's gonna, we're gonna be way over here. We are close. We are close. And that's why we need to, we need to stay close and, and submit to God and by faith and to press on and to persevere. And because God, Christ has even said himself, given this analogy, like, though he is giving us life, he gets great joy from us being with him. So if you were in Christ, you are one with him. And we are one with the tree because of the life we are receiving. And that is a mystery, that we are in Christ, we're rooted in him, abiding in him. And he is one with us, though we are but stems and branches, that's a mystery to me. I don't know the depth of all that. I, I'm not gonna pretend I do, but I wanna press on to know the Lord more in that. I wanna press on to know what it, what it would look like to live that close to Christ. I, I want that power. I, I, want, I want that victory more because I'll have more victory over the sin in my life and the struggles if I'm close to him like that. So I know that's a mystery, but that's, that's the reality. We don't have to understand Reality to believe it. So therefore, in Colossians, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and built up in him. So his life becomes our life, and we share in this glory. So we abide through Christ, we abide in Christ through faith, keeping his words, and loving one another. And as first, as John says elsewhere in his letters, he abides in us through the Spirit whom he gave us we need the holy spirit to live the christian life too many times i know for me i have the truth i know the truth and for some reason i think that because i have the knowledge i can just walk this way without pressing into the lord for power it's not going to happen and how does how do we get power from christ through the word of god and prayer it's nothing new i don't i don't don't have a 10-step program for you this morning uh I don't have a new bestseller book that will tell you it's the word of God and prayer. I mean, the, the apostles devoted themselves to this, uh, to the word of God and prayer. There's, there is something about secret prayer that I'm learning uh, that empowers you. Because you're going before God and you're bearing before him. What you're saying to God in prayer is, I, I can't manage this. I can't do this. I need your help. And so if we're not in secret prayer, if we're not praying and just going about our day, even though we have the knowledge of the truth, if we're not in prayer, we are depending on ourselves, And we're not going to know what it means to abide in Christ. And when we pray, it's going to feel like a break wall because we're not communing with Him. We're just going to Him for what we need. We have a list for Him. Prayer is, prayer is confession. It is asking God for things. But I believe what prayer is, is communing with God, abiding with God, telling God how great He is and uh, worship him, worshiping him, that's, that's what prayer is. And there is a power that comes from that that the enemy will try to stop you from. He will try. Your phone will ring off the hook. Something will happen with dinner. The turkey will catch on fire. The kids will fall off a slot. Something, if you're trying to seek a prayer, something will happen. Because God does stuff through prayer. He does. That's how we abide and commune with him. So Satan's gonna do everything we can, he can to get us off that track. Satan's even content with you reading your Bible, honestly. If you don't apply it, I mean, he's not going to bother you. Satan knows all the scriptures. You know, we're, we're never more like Satan when we know the scriptures and don't act on them. And that, was that too much? Okay. Um, I, I don't <laughs> uh, we're never more like Satan when we read the word Know the word, and we don't apply the word, uh, and my heart is is broken because of that. Um, you know, we're we're prone to look outside of ourselves, and we're prone to look at other people. But what about us? What about the revelation that we've been given? Sometimes we don't need more revelation; we need to obey the revelation that we have, and that's what I'm learning. I am prone to to gimme, gimme, gimme. I want to know, I want to know. I got all theology books at home. All theology books at home. But if I'm not applying it, I'm not in secret prayer, I can burn all those books. It does not matter. It doesn't matter if you're not communing with God. But listen, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. If if that's not been the pattern of your life, today's a new day. Today's a new day. Don't get up from this seat until you have a talk with the Lord and you begin to cultivate these things in your heart. He is the God of redemption, and you're not too far gone. Don't let the enemy condemn you. We have 99 problems, but Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? There's no condemnation. So yes, Satan will come at you and say, you're acting a lot like me right now. You're not obeying the word right now. He will come to you with that. But all you can say, but Christ, but Christ, but Christ. So to believe in Christ is to follow him. To follow him is to obey him. To obey him is to love him. To love him is to abide in him. To abide in him is to know him. I know that might sound confusing, but what I really want to do is set something out of what it means to believe in Christ. We hear that a lot. I believe in God. I believe in Christ. Or what does that mean? We have a soft view of belief. We don't really know the full weight of what belief means, as the scriptures say, All throughout the scriptures, what it means to believe in Christ is to follow him. And to follow him is to obey him, what Christ says. Those who love me obey what I say. To obey him is to love him. And to love him is to abide in him. To abide in him is to know him. These cannot be broken. You cannot believe in Christ and not follow him, okay? You can't believe in Christ. It's a a whole deal, when Christ says to believe in me, he says, come follow me, pick up your cross and come follow me. That wasn't just for the disciples, that was for us. It will cost you everything, everything, but you will gain everything from it. And as Jesus points out in his high priestly prayer, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible because it centers me and it grounds me. This is eternal life. This is Jesus talking. This is, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So we might have different ideas of what eternal life is. We might have different definitions, but the master himself says eternal life is that they may know God and Jesus Christ. So this is eternal life, knowing, loving, abiding. It's so rich and deep. It's not just four spiritual laws God wants you to know. That's not not really what God's after. God's after you knowing him and living in that power and having a purpose for your life. There is no purpose outside of that. All there is is vain, meander, wandering about, pleasing the flesh that does not satisfy. And you'll be right back at the end, empty handed and bitter and angry because you're not doing what you were made to do. Pastor Vince has preached this many times but like I said we have to believe and we have to believe and obey the revelation that we have. Do we truly believe that we are nothing without Christ? Like do we do we actually believe that that there is no value to me apart from knowing Christ? Lord help us. So this is eternal life knowing, loving, abiding by faith now. This is by faith now. We've we've not seen the risen Christ. I haven't, and that is one of the great challenges for me in the Christian life is that we have been given the Spirit, I am excited to see Him in His glory, I am excited. By faith now, through sight one day, our knowing Him here will become our seeing Him there, but to see Him there, we have to know Him here by faith. And so some of the truths that we can draw from this passage, I would love to go verse by verse, but we don't have time. Some of the things we're going to draw out of this in this short little section are eight things that that we can draw from this of when we abide in Christ, what that looks like. And it's beautiful. If you're a note taker, this is is your golden opportunity. I have recently been taking notes. It's been very life-giving. I do recommend you guys do that. I didn't take notes for the longest time. I started keeping notes I'm like, this is great. I can go back to it. I can study. I can be empowered by it and renewed by it. I don't know why I haven't been doing it. So I encourage you to take notes, right? Because we need reminded of these things often. So these aren't new and these aren't new and extraordinary things as far as like creativity goes. These are just the realities from the scriptures that we've drawn out. So number one, when we abide in the vine in Christ, we have fellowship an intimate communion with God. Number two, we know God and are fully assured of God's love for us. Fully assured. When we're abiding, there is no question, who loves me? It's God. We don't need to believe Satan's lies because we're abiding. And Satan says, don't you know God? He doesn't want anything to do. No, I know God and he loves me because he sent his son to die for me. Throw it in the enemy's face. Throw the cross in his face. We are full of Christ's joy, number three. Joy is not based off of circumstances or how things are going. Joy is a firm, rooted, constant, unwavering reality of Christ. And it's his joy. It's not joy that's conjured up from our good deeds, We need to know that too. It's not because we're doing great one week, I'm full of Christ's joy because I've obeyed this. This is Christ's joy that's in you when we're abiding as a gift. Inexpressible, full of glory. It's the fruit of the Spirit that comes as a gift. We are Christ's friends, number four. That's what reconciliation is, as though we were enemies of God. We were not in close union. We were very far apart. Enmity, all things evil, all things bad. Reconciliation brings us together, closest friends. And this is what Christ has done through the cross. We've been reconciled to God through the cross. Number five, we bear fruit. We bear fruit. Number six, we love God and love others. Remember, we're talking about abiding. When we're abiding, these, these this is what happens in our life. Only through abiding, though. Only through Christ. Knowing Christ. Number seven, prayers are answered. God is glorified. Several times throughout the Gospel of John and several times in this chapter, he says, if you are abiding and you're close to me, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He says it multiple times. I don't think we're praying bold enough prayers, honestly. I know I'm not. Bold prayers are when we're really close with Christ and we're praying for things that are not of this world. We're praying for things that we would never pray for because our mind is being renewed in the Spirit. And God says He will answer those prayers. That's why prayer is so important because God wants to answer our prayers given that we're abiding in Christ, that we're close with Him. Because we're not really going to know what to pray for unless we're abiding in Christ. Number eight, we are eternally secure. Nobody can snatch us out of the hand of the Father. Nobody can snatch us out of the hand of Jesus. And this is what he promises when we are abiding. I don't really like that question. Do you believe in once saved, always saved? I don't know. I I don't know. I believe in abiding. I believe in knowing God. If you know God, you're abiding, you're secure. That's what the scripture tells us. We don't have to go through all the hoops of, do you believe in once saved, always saved? What What do you believe about the perseverance of the saints? I believe God is faithful. Nothing can stop his purposes. And if I'm abiding in him, he loves me and he will see me through. That's it. That's it. And I'm going to believe that. And it's good to go through those discussions. It is good to jump through those and, and to understand, well, what about this? What about that? Christ says, abide in me. Are you abiding? Do you know God? Do you want God? Do you, or is your a desire to know God? That answers the question. That really does answer the question. We can get very caught up in theological positions and those have weight, those have value, but do you know God? Are you abiding by faith in Christ? Is he your life source? Are you nothing without him? Those are the questions I would rather ask than do you believe this or that? So God's constantly reframing us. He's actually simplifying things for us. We don't have to be, theology is great, I love it, but I like it, I, don't know if I love it, but um, it's, it's valuable. It's so valuable to know, to know about God. Theology is, we need theology. We, we, we can't be Christians and say, I don't care about theology. Like, I don't care about, because theology is knowledge is, is about God. It's about knowledge about God. We have to have that. But to base questions around that and to discuss with people in and out, God just wants to simplify it for us. Are you abiding you know me do you know me he said to Peter if you if you know me love me feed my sheep it's simple if you love me obey my commands if you love me walk in faith if you love me that's it that's it and the, and the spirit empowers us to do that we need simple truth and that's what the scriptures are they're very deep they're very complex but they are simple but God God knows us with the revelation we have we can't even obey so why don't we just start with what we have here he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit from itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So we pray, renew our hearts, Lord, not just to do things for you, but to abide in you. Because there is a difference. We can get ourselves worked up to do things. We can get ourselves worked up and excited to do things, but are we doing it from the... Are we? Doing it because it's flowing from the life source. And that's why we're doing it. We're doing it because that's our identity, not to try to gain identity. We have to be careful. Our heart matters. And the reasons why we do things matter. So I don't work for the Lord so I can abide. I abide, therefore I answer the call to live for Christ and and to do the work he has me to do for him because I am with him. That's why. So it naturally comes... From that, that we, by faith, walk into. Let's see how I am on time here. Let's go ahead and I want to turn to Colossians three and just read, read that. This is one of my favorite sections of Scripture. We're going to read a lot of it. I just felt the Lord put it on my heart as I was studying for this. So Colossians 3, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life has been hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is manifested, then you also will be manifested with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also lay them all aside, wrath, anger, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you put off the old man with his evil practices, and you have put on the new man who is being renewed to a full knowledge, according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and graciously forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord graciously forgave you, so also should you. Above all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, To which indeed you were called into one body. And be thankful. Those are powerful verses. Help us, Lord, to to walk in this. To seek the things that are above. To seek because we're so with Christ that now it's not even our life anymore. Our life is hid with Christ. All of my life is Christ now. That's what it's saying here. And conversion If you read throughout the scriptures, you read this, it's actually, it's a violent process. It's not just four things God wants you to know. He's actually going to take a heart of stone and make a heart of flesh. It will cost you everything. And it is war to bring souls from death to life. But the war has been won through Christ and his cross. But its effects on us are devastating because our sinful flesh does remain So to be a Christian is not about joining something. It's not a club, an organization. But it's about knowing someone. Knowing God through the person of Jesus Christ. By the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation. Through his death and resurrection. As this verse says, we're raised to new life with him. New affections, new desires, new creation. To abide in the vine, to abide in Christ. You must leave behind yourself and be rooted and remade in the image of him. There is no getting around. You cannot have self in Christ who's leading this. You need to make a choice. Who is leading your life? Is it you or is it Christ? And to walk in that, to lay aside the old self constantly, to continually clothe yourself with Christ, to be killing the sin in your life and to be active about it Not passive about it, because that's keeping us away from God. Is these sins that we let into our lives that we surrender to and submit to. It's we're not walking, we're not staying connected to the vine as we ought, and so we need to lay that aside. That there's the reality that there's this old self that's in here somewhere. This old man that wants to come up and that wants to take charge again, and we say no, no. I'm Christ. And Christ leads the way. Stop. I know it sounds ridiculous to talk like there's another person in there, but there is. I promise you there is. It's not only the enemy. It's not only the world that's out there. That's the trouble. But it's in here that's the trouble, my friends. And we need to be so diligent about this. As John Owen said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. There is no other way. Around this, we have to apply this into our lives. So that's what abiding is. The first thing to know how to abide is that abiding is dying. If we're we're to break this down in four steps of application, what is abiding? The first step to abide in Christ is to die to self and to follow Christ and be rooted in him. John 12, 24, Jesus, again, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Those are the words of our master. So, first step of application to abiding is dying to self and what you think is right in your ways and your wisdom and saying, I have no wisdom, I have nothing but Christ. All I have is Christ. And that's really what salvation is, is to throw yourself on the mercy of Christ because you know that without him, there is no hope for you. He is the only mediator. There is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ, Jesus. There is one way. And that's why the gospel is so offensive to the world. We could say Jesus is a way. We could say that he's my savior. He could say he's one of the ways, but to stand up and say he is the only way of salvation, he's the only way to God, and you all are wrong. That's why it's offensive. It's not offensive to people that say, well, he's, he's one of the ways, you know, you know, we could work on that. You know, I, I know you believe this or that, but you know, he'll honor that. You know, there is only one substitute. There is only one whom you can get fellowship with God with, and it is Jesus Christ. Do not let the world fool you that there are other ways. Or No, there is not. The scriptures make it very clear. It is Christ and Christ alone. Not our good works are not good enough. Maybe you have some good works, but they don't, they don't measure. You have not perfectly fulfilled and kept the law to the Father and soul, spirit, heart, and mind all the time. No. And so sin, sin is offensive to us, but the gospel is also offensive because God took that sin, nailed it to the cross, and he says, all who are thirsty can come. Same thing about election. Does God predestine people? Does he have election? Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Then come. Come on and drink. I mean, yeah, the Bible talks about predestination. The Bible talks about election. The Bible talks about God's purposes can't be stopped. All who are thirsty can come. So, Abiding is dying. Next would be abiding is living. As Jesus said, a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies. It bears much fruit. So we die, we live. Communion with God, fellowship with Christ by his Holy Spirit, connected to him for life. We don't stay dead, we rise anew with him. Next, abiding is growing. That's what it looks like to abide. So dying, living, Growing, which is what the scriptures talk about when you hear sanctification, holiness, bearing fruit from the vine, growing up, building yourselves up in Christ and in the gospel to make you more like Christ. That's the father's job is to make you more and more like his son. And that's why we put off the old man. We put off the old self because God's doing something because there is, without sanctification, without holiness, nobody will see the Lord. This has to be an active part of our life that we are being pruned, we are being clean, we are being confronted by God and we are growing even though it hurts and it's painful. This is a part of abiding with him is growing in holiness in your affections and bearing fruit for God and for others. People need the fruit. They need it. They need to see that. Next and last, abiding is persevering pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's persevering. So Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, all things are loss now. Even the good things, if we're comparing it, it's loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So abiding us persevering to press on day by day, moment by moment. This life is temporary. It's a miss. We're a miss that appears just for a little, little, little while and we're gone. And to let that into your soul and to let that into your heart will do us good. That whatever I'm striving after, whatever I'm building, whatever I'm doing, if it is apart from Christ, it will not remain, because I am not abiding in Christ. That's so temporary. All of us in this room will see the grave. Nobody's getting out of this unless the Lord Jesus comes back soon, which soon is a relative term in the scriptures. Uh, He's coming back soon soon and very soon we will see him but until then we press on we press on the enemy will try to get in our way the enemy will try to put roadblocks stumbling blocks we press on saints press on press on no matter what's happened behind paul says i'm forgetting that actually if if, if you do a greek study of that forgetting it means forgetting forgetting put it out of your mind you're reaching forward now to what lies ahead, which is Christ. And the last, we abide in him through weakness. As Paul said, when Paul had these thorns in his life that were troubling to him, that he wanted to get rid of them, this, he pleaded, he cried to the Lord, take them away. What did the master say? My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may abide in me, may dwell in me. So it's not strength that causes you to abide, it's weakness that causes you to abide. So if you're weak, if you feel you're unworthy, if you feel that there's too much sin in your life, that you're not obedient, you have all these things, the gospel's for you now. Christ died for sinners, not for the righteous. The righteous don't need a doctor. They don't, they don't, they don't, don't, because they're not sick. Of course they are, but Christ has come for those who are sick, who are beating their breast because of their sin. So Paul said, therefore, I'm content with weaknesses. It's not really a bother to me. I'm content with insults. Okay, distresses, persecutions, hardships for the sake of Christ. Why? Because when I'm weak, I'm strong. I'm strong when I'm weak. We need to believe that and live in that. We want to be strong for the Lord a lot. We do want to walk in the strength of his might, but it's his might. We, we miss that. It's, we get built up and say, I'm strong now, Lord. I'm going to walk in the might now. Well, we can do that for a while, but it's really when we're weak that the power of Christ, we know what that looks like when we're weak. So that's why God's going to actually start working weakness. If you're his, he's going to work weakness in your life. He's going to get you out of your comfort zone. He's going to trim off some branches. He's going to make you abide in him. Praise the Lord. He's going to make you do it because he's good to us. And then to wrap it up, First John, how he ends his letters, we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding. So he's given us the understanding so that we may what? We may know him who is True he said he's the true vine, the true God. Know him who is true. And here we are. We are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. 1 John 3, we abide in Christ through faith, keeping his words and loving one another. And the one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us, by the Spirit, whom he gave us. So we can only be our true self when we're rooted in our new self in Christ. Only in Him do we find who we are meant to be. So Christ, the head of the church, we are His body. He is the King. We are His slaves. He is the Lord. We are His friends. He is the good shepherd. We are His sheep. He is the resurrection, the life, the vine. We are the branches. We live by Him, through Him, for Him, May we abide in him, beloved. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. That you have made it possible for us to come to you. Not from a distance, but you have called us close. You have called us to come close, and to dwell, and to live, and to abide, and remain in you. Lord Jesus, you're our only hope in this life, your only hope ever, you're all that we have. I pray that you continue to work this among us, this week, and in the rest of our lives, that we have nothing outside of you, that we may press on to know you, to abide in you, and that you would give us grace and power to do that, for we are weak it's through our weakness that your glory, your strength will be manifested. To you be all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org